Ladies and gentlemen, a special edition of Cheap Heat to get everyone set for a big Tuesday night of NXT on USA. Um, Joining me from Philadelphia, we have the physically strong and large stack guy, Greg. And joining me, uh, joining us, I imagine from Tampa would be, is that correct, uh, Triple H? I am in Orlando, actually. Ah, Orlando. On my way to, yes. Yes, on my way to the performance, and I was in Tampa like 20 minutes ago. What What is, before we get into the big episode and the big move to Tuesday nights for NXT, what is your schedule like these days? Take us through a, a week in the life of Triple H. Um, well, right now will be slightly different, so things changing, you know, last few weeks have been just straight out with Mania and everything, um, but uh, Mondays and Tuesdays in Orlando, uh, prepping and and working on NXT. Now, with that being on Tuesdays on USA, so you know um, preparation for getting ready for production meeting for on Mondays, uh, Tuesdays execution of the show, Wednesday, Thursday in the office all day, uh, pretty much all day, and then because trying to catch up on everything, uh, Fridays fly down do SmackDown uh, with the team. There will be the new. Uh, I, you know, I was hit or miss. COVID created a different template of scenario of us kind of trying to divide and conquer just in case, you know, never knowing when things were going to get, uh, you know, bad or somebody was going to get sick. So trying to have multiple uh, sort of groups of people that could operate and, and get into different places depending on what was needed. So we tried to sort of stay away from each other as best we could to try to make things uh, in case of emergency. But, uh, but I'll be in Fridays there in, uh, in Tampa uh, doing SmackDown and, and, you know, everything else. It's a 24 seven gig, really. really This machine just keeps rolling, you know, Um, NXT Tuesday night, 8 PM USA. Um, a lot going on on this Tuesday's edition, Triple H. SGG, what do you have? I know it's your first time talking to Triple H. You're an NXT fan. What do you have for Hunter? I really just want to know, you know, what opportunity do you think moving to Tuesdays opens up for NXT right now? Because I feel like on Wednesday, a lot of the focus was on other things and different narratives. And I think with Tuesday allowing you guys to have your own space to do your own thing. It might open up some opportunities, but that's just from the fan perspective. What do you think it does for you moving over? Yeah. yeah. Look, look the, the promotional opportunity for us is much better on a Tuesday. And also then not having to have a narrative where it's just constantly about an imaginary war, you know, um, or this imaginary battle. And, and, you know, people can, say what they want and 
but but the, but the truth of the matter is you compete against everything. If you are uh, creating a television product or content, right? Uh, and that is the world we live in is content, not not television, not internet. It's it's everything. So you know you you're constantly uh, competing for eyeballs, time against everything under the sun. Um, including sleep and time, you know, to do other things and video games and TikTok and everything else that's out there. So, you know, having your own space sort of where you don't have to then have an added imaginary battle uh, sort of stacked up against it is kind of nice. The, the bigger fact is having a lead in from a Tuesday into a Wednesday. When we first started, NXT was on Wednesdays for years on the network the transition to USA of wanting to keep that consistency for those that were watching on the network. Um, so they would know where to find it and not have confusion of SmackDown leaving Tuesdays and people tuning in to find SmackDown and finding something else. Um, time has gone by now. And this is, this is a, a great opportunity for us to have that lead in for Monday night raw, get that promotional window for Monday night raw, get to Tuesdays, uh, and continue to deliver the product. So, um, Again, I'm, I'm thrilled with it, and I think the opportunity is um, really the, the same as it was before, which is for talent to get out there live and, and show everything that they can do. And, and I'm a big believer in that, that, you know, that talent will shine through and they'll get that opportunity and you'll make bigger and bigger stars as time goes by. Um, you know, but again, it's about making stars and, and them having that opportunity, not just the number every single week. How did you view this moment for NXT? I mean, in one sense, you have this amazing success to sort of feel at this moment with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, you know, both having tremendous years, particularly Bianca. In a lot of ways, Rhea's just getting started now, but Bianca really capped off just a, a huge year. And they're not the only ones who, who, who Hunter, came under, from under you and, and now have really succeeded at the higher level. There's many more. But at the same time, you're also, as usual... Uh, you lose people to to SmackDown and Raw. Where do you see the talent pool? Where do you see the NXT story uh, right now, generally? Well, I mean, that's a great example of, to me, success of people's journey and what we do. You know, uh, Rhea Ripley coming over here, very, very new, very young in the business, uh, still is. And, and having the success that she has had across NXT UK, across NXT, and, and now, you know, where she is, um, is phenomenal. Bianca Belair, you know, we were talking about this the other day, uh, Matt Bloom and I, about, you know, he said that I remember each one of their first days, Raquel, Rhea, and, and Bianca, I remember their first day stepping through the ring, just stepping through the ropes in our rings. And, you know, Bianca had never even been in a ring before. To see that from where she, you know, walked in the door to where she is right now, and she's just getting started, you know, so incredibly proud. But I also think that that is part of the magic of of NXT. Of yes, things things get to a certain place, people stay, people go. But the strength of that is seen still now. If you look at the women's division, it's it's incredibly strong. When you, when you start to look across that, Io Shirai, um, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, um, Candice LeRae, Indy Harwell, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, 
uh, Mercedes Martinez. You you then look at the Tony Storms. You get into Saray coming in the door. Zoe starts like it's deep, and it's only getting deeper. Um, so in some manner, I, I love the fact that there's opportunities where people grow to a level, and then can have different opportunities maybe elsewhere if the timing is right and other people can step into those roles and shine, you know, uh, Raquel Gonzalez being chief among them in this moment. I don't know if this was pointed out to you, but um, I noticed that every match at WrestleMania had an NXT alum featured in the match. Is that a point of pride to you? And then, you know, do you see it to a point where, I mean, it can't get better than that, right? Yeah. I mean, to some degree there's, there's the, it's funny though that sometimes I look at it differently than others do because I look at the place where they started with us. You know, some of those people, you can say it's an NXT alum. Some of them came in with uh, years in the business. Uh, most of them came in, even if they had years in the business, with very little um, knowledge of TV production or anything else. So seeing where they came from to where they get to, it's it's. Um, it's amazing to see the journey and to, you know, there was a moment, especially in this year where you are standing on a stage as America the Beautiful is playing and there's 25,000 people there on that first night, but we haven't had fans in any way, shape or form uh, over the last, you know, whatever, 18 months or something. It was an incredible feeling, but, for those talented, you know, this is their first kind of crack at it or their, this one is really special to them. It's, it's a different level of pride. It really is. You know, people joke about it or they, they uh, talk about it on the internet of uh, crowd Papa or whatever, but, but in a way that is the case. It's, it's like watching your kids in some manner when you're that invested in somebody's uh, success of living their dream of, of getting to that next level. It's, yeah, it's hard not to feel that way. You sit at gorilla position or wherever you're at when when that moment is happening for them and you're smiling ear to ear uh, because you're so proud of them and so happy for them that they're getting there. They're the ones that are doing the work. They're the ones that are putting in that effort and it shines. It, you know, it, it, it really does. It shows through for all of them. And then, you know, to see somebody like Raquel Gonzalez who sort of kind of alluded to the story on... Uh, on NXT last week, but there was a moment a year ago when we first debuted on USA where she was going to debut and she wasn't ready. And that was a crushing message to her. Mm. You know, um, it's, it's one thing to be good. It's another thing to be good at the level you want them to be at for what we're trying to do. And uh, it was crushing, but man, she doubled down and to see a year or so later you know, a year and a half, whatever it is, the position that she is in, it's it's like not even watching the same human being. It's it's amazing what she has done in that period of time. So proud of her. That that must be an interesting thing too. The the, the wrestling business. There's so many similarities to sports, and then there are some things that are just uh, inherently different. You know, you you talk about Bianca hitting where she's at at 32, and you talked about Raquel, and she's 30, and then you have Rhea Ripley who's 24, and I, I was there. For the May Young Classic, the day she walked in the first time, I, I went down and checked it out in person, and she immediately, at, at I think 19 or 20, you're like, what are we watching right here? Is it, 
Yeah. Is there a complicated dance of explaining to some talent, hey, you're 31 years old and you're great, but for whatever reason, what you're doing is not connecting the way this 22-year-old is connecting. How do you go about sort of making that a big, happy family with all those different positions people are in? Well, it's it really, it's it's not about age or experience. It's about moments. And if you're, you know, it's a funny thing. Hardest thing to do in this business is recreate yourself. To figure out what you got to do. When, when, when somebody's not in the position they want, whether they believe that it's them or whether they believe that it's for another reason, the only thing you can do is double down, work harder, change what you're doing. But that change is hard. It really is. Um, and it doesn't matter. You know, I, I look at Damian Priest, a guy that I, you know, I'd seen him for years and I thought, man, this kid is, he's talented. He's, um, everything I'd always heard about him was a positive um, on all levels. And, you know, then, then he came into work with us and, and at a little bit of an older age, right? But I was like, man, this kid can get it all together. Then when I met him, and I started working with him, and I'm like, man, he's a sponge. He just not, never had anyone help him get. Where they, they kind of always put him in, in the wrong places and help him get to where he needed to be. Once that light bulb started going off for him, I was like, this, this is a game changer for him. Now, it's late in the dance, right? He's a little bit older, but he's in good shape, doesn't have a ton of mileage on him in, in that sense, and he's finally getting the opportunity to put all those pieces together because he wasn't afraid of the change and that challenge and working hard. And that, that's sort of where he's at for me. Like I'll go to bat for a kid like that all day long for a guy like him, because he's willing to put in the effort and, and, and willing to do everything that needs to be done to get there. And it's why he's in the spot he's in now, you know, he, he, again, um, not at, not at 24 years old, but, but, you know, just getting to that success level, you know, and speaking of which, I mean, man, did things work out with him and Bad Bunny at at WrestleMania? That, that incredible. Yeah. I mean, how, first of all, how how involved were you? We know Bad Bunny was at the Performance Center and he was working really hard. How directly involved were you? And did you were you able to hear from where you were? Because I was out the whole time. We were waiting for more rain, right? So I was at the um the kickoff show position in the crowd. Were you able to hear what the crowd was like every time Bad Bunny oh, yeah. did something? Yeah, it was in, intense, his reaction. You know, he is such – it's hard for people that don't follow it or understand it because people live, especially um, – I, I don't know. I think in today's world, people live in their own little bucket of what's around them, and they think that's the world. There's, there's, they're closed off to everything else, and they, you know – People that are like, damn funny, who's this guy? And I've never heard of him. And then he played his music, not my kind of music, and that this guy's a joke. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. Like a god yeah, in, in Latin communities. You know, and and um, so, you know, as this deal started to come about, it's, you know, a huge opportunity for everybody. But the cool thing is, he is such a fan. And his... I think he was more concerned with not insulting the fan base, not, you know, like being loyal to his fans and his people, but like not insulting WWE and what he loved his whole life. He wanted to sort of 
re- really go out there and and um, deliver at a level that fans would appreciate and that he would be proud of, you know. And man, I tell you, once we made the deal for him to work with us, he he came down here. He got a house in Orlando. Um, I, I'm at the performance center all the time. He was here all the time training, <laughs> beat up in the in the in the trainer's room getting rehab and you know trying to not be so sore i mean just getting his ass kicked and and going through it every day and grinding and and that's why he was so good and by the way people take for granted hunter like you know the not knowing the people who don't understand how big a star bad bunny is because they don't leave their house or they don't know anyone who's actually latino but also let's just remember i'm a white kid from the suburbs of dc I only knew who Alice Cooper was because he was standing next to Jake the Snake at WrestleMania three. Yeah, like the company has always done that. You guys have always thrown people out there who not everyone knows, but a large percentage of the population knows. You, you have to WWE has to it has to appeal to just about everybody, right? You can't go down one genre. You can't go down one road. You can't go down like. Oh, well, this is all we are because then you're just limiting yourself and pigeonholing yourself. So there's going to be things that some people are going to say, oh, that's not my cup of tea. I'm not big on that. I don't know this guy. But when they deliver like Bunny did, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Well said. Because then then, then, then it's, it's the reason that we're all here is WWE and what happens in that ring. And then when you deliver there, everybody goes like, oh, I love you. So it works out for somebody like Bunny who – you know, goes to WrestleMania. We we uh, as he's leaving, we promote his tour, and then two days later, I'm not saying this because of us, it's because he's megastar. You know, is is uh, is crashing Ticketmaster because they can't handle the traffic going in to buy tickets for his tour. Yep. You know, it's um, it's the kind of thing that that gets you seen by a lot of people. Gets you. It's just outside eyeballs. It's it's bringing in more people to the product. And, and it delivered. And then, so, you know, it's, it's not bad for anybody because it delivers, even if you're, even if you don't know who this guy is and you've never seen him before, he delivers at the end of the day. And you go, well, that was really good. Yeah, completely. And, you know, just to touch on bad bunny a little bit before I ask my next question, I had a friend who I hadn't spoken to in about 10 years. He contacted me via DM on social media because he saw bad bunny was going to be at WrestleMania. It was like, what night is he going to be on? I need to watch. And he ended up sticking around for the whole show. So, I mean, our regular yeah, fans. And that's, have no and that's was, case but. in point, right, is, is how you how you connect people to what you do, right? If you just got to get them to sample and if they come in the door, whether they're lapsed fans, new fans, doesn't matter, right? That, it's about getting people to connect. Yep. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned, you, you said it's hard to reinvent yourself. And I got to admit, I didn't know how to take that coming from you. And I'm not just talking about going from the Blue Blood to DX to the King of Kings. I mean, even with NXT, right? You rebranded it and reinvented it into NXT UK, which is its own thing that I feel like has its own presence and vibe. Um, could we see NXT do more of that, expanding globally to, to these different regional brands? Maybe a NXT Africa, NXT Japan? Yeah, it definitely will. It's, that, that's just a matter of time, um, to be honest. Uh, you know, we, we really, COVID slowed that process down, but in international markets and, and growth into those international markets and regionalizing, 
the way you create stars within those markets. You saw us do a, a special a little while ago um, for India, for the Indian market with our trainings here. And, you know, that's another market that as you, as you get into those markets and you specialize and you, you um, localize the, the recruiting process and the talent drive and everything else, that those are game changers in those markets. And you mentioned a lot of markets just there, you know, whether that be uh, Latin America, Mexico, whether that be Japan, uh, Africa, Australia, you know, around the world, people love uh, WWE globally. It's a global product, but then creating that localized version of which and, and creating the moment where somebody at some time comes out of there and is headlining WrestleMania it's a game changer across the board. Now, I, I saw last week you mentioned that you hadn't really thought about um, a final match at WrestleMania, and it's not that big a deal to you. And I and I actually believe that um, coming from you. Uh, a lot of people I would not, but in your case, I really feel like you've had so much, and for you, it's it's not about one thing. It's this entire thing that you're building. But that being said, is there anyone out there that if you were to have one more excites you about at WrestleMania? One more Mania match for Triple H. Anyone in your mind for who it could be? Yeah, well, yeah there's a lot of guys. You know, it's when you've, when you've done this for this long, right? Like, and, and, and even for Sean, as we're here doing all this, there's absolutely no way that you don't look at certain talent and go, oh, man, I would have loved to have gotten in the ring with him. You know, um, you just, it's, it's your instinct to do. And it's part of the reason why you spot talent and you think, Oh, this talent's really good. Right. Right. Like that's, it's the same, it's the same thing, what you're looking for, how they handle the crowd, all those, all those bits and pieces and what you do. And then of course there are certain ones that would be better suited to your style maybe than, than others. So there's definitely guys, um, you know, I, I hate when people ask me that to say, like, well, just give me a couple, because I feel like then you say a couple, and then people are like, well, why didn't you say me? Well, how about this? And, You're, would, uh, it be, would it be someone new? It would not be someone you have a history with. It would be someone you do not have a history with. Yeah, I would like it to be somebody that I don't have. It. If, if I was to go and do one big, you know, and I, I said this in the interview, for me, I would like to do if, if I was able to do it and this would be a big if because of the time challenge of it is, but to be able to go to different markets and be able to wrestle there, you know, and, and do like a, a one world tour where you go to the big venues and try not to get injured. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> one big, one big tour and, you know, and, and go to Japan and go to, to the O2 in, in uh, London and uh, just all these different arenas, go to the garden one more time, go to Chicago one more time, go to LA one more time, do, do these big things, Mexico city, um, you know, to have those moments in those big arenas, because to me, it's about the different fans. It's not just about that big WrestleMania moment. Um, and, and the different markets and the feel there and, and the people there. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I, if I was to do it in that manner and the, the player to me, the, the people that I would want to do it with, yeah, wouldn't necessarily be, I wouldn't be looking to do it with somebody that I had a long-term history with. I'd be looking to do it probably with 
somebody that was younger and getting rolling. And I thought like, and that didn't even have to be younger and getting mm. rolling, but that just would be different and a different challenge and a different thought. But again, it's not in the front of my head, you know, uh, me thinking about it. It seems to bother everybody else more than it does me. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think this will be our final question. Now I watched WWE's most wanted treasures Sunday nights, 10 PM on A&E and on the show, you Good mentioned segue. several yeah, well done. On the show, That's you true. mentioned several times that you want to retrieve some memorabilia because you wanted to share it with the world. But it seems to me this just going back to your warehouse. Now, can you definitively tell our Cheap Heat listeners that a physical WWE Hall of Fame building is on the way where we can Ooh. see some of this memorabilia we watch you retrieve every Sunday on any? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, for me to say it's on the way makes it sound like we're already building it. <laughs> it is definitely something that we contemplated in our mind. It has to be done right. You know, um, in the in the world today, it's it's a funny thing. People go like, "Oh my God, that would be fascinating to go to to see you know somebody's old trunks." Or it's it, it's you know, Hall of Fames like that, physical Hall of Fames and museums like that tend to be money pits and not do well because. Over time, people lose interest in them and think you need to make it something more. And I think if it was interactive with technology the way that it is now, those objects were there, things that people can see and be wowed by. But also there's reasons to to keep going back. I'm of the opinion that that needs to be more than a, uh, a thing you go to one time and go like, oh, that was me. I saw some boots. Um, right. But more of a Hey, you got to go see this. Like I was there. There's a virtual this. There's a, uh, 3d that there's a, uh, you know, technology takes you to another level like Disney where you go see these incredible things, but also have these mind blowing experiences around WWE. And, and you can, you know, spend the day there. You can uh, go there and, and meet some legends and see people doing Q and A's and, you know, maybe it's, it's part of our developmental where there's matches happening and, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff to see along with. So if done right, there's a lot of thought being put into it and a lot of thought being put around it. If you were to say, and it's not clearly my final decision always, but if you were to say, is that something that I am, am bullish about doing in the future? Absolutely. His when name? it's ready, can you come and let us know? <laughs> yeah, we, I, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know early. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, one thing that people should know about Triple H, my fa- one of my favorite things about you, honestly, is the man loves professional wrestling. He does not just do this 24-7 because he doesn't care for the craft. So, obviously, one day if there's a way to do it that'll be dope and people will be excited about it, I fully believe we'll get there and you'll probably be at the forefront of it. Speaking of at the forefront of things, he's at the forefront, or actually at the not at the forefront, he's more like behind the curtain, at NXT every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock on USA, including this week, a really big episode of NXT. Um, Triple H, thank you as always for joining us, man. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and I'll let you know when uh, when we have some big announcements. All right, man. <laughs> oh, please do. Take Thanks, care, man. man. All right, guys, take care. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. At this time, I would like to introduce, in the corner to my left, the main
majesty. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce... Shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Hart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. M-m-m-m-midge.